Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews. We've been in Hebrews uh, all semester. Uh, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 8. While you're doing that, I'm going to review a little bit where we've been. Out of the gate, we talked about that God... In the past, he spoke to his people in many different ways, but in in these last days that he spoke to us in son. That is, he spoke to us in person through his son, Jesus. And we learned right out of the gate that Jesus is better. Now listen, I want you to participate. I'm going to have you do this a couple times today. I think, maybe I'll forget, but it doesn't matter. Jesus is better. Jesus is what? Let's try it again. Jesus is That's what we learn. Better than what? Everything. Anything. Put a blank there. Whatever you put in that blank, Jesus is better than that. And we learn he's better than Moses. He was better than angels. He was better than the priest and the high priest. And then because this was true, the the, the writer of Hebrews gave us a warning. He said, listen, because this is true, let us pay much closer attention to Jesus. And then After that warning, he went in and he talked about the high priest. And remember, we talked about uh, Melchizedek, who we called Melky. And I heard some city groups were talking this week about Melchizedek, and they just started calling him Melky. And I'm really proud of you guys for that. That's good. But we learned that Jesus was a truer and better Melchizedek, who was a priest and a king. And we didn't see that again until Jesus. And then there was another warning that came in this book of Hebrews that, that we learned about last week where, where it said, hey, listen, you, you guys have become dull of hearing. The Hebrew Christians have become dull of hearing. But he didn't dwell on that warning and just, be, just beat them over the head with that warning. He, he was saying, listen, don't turn away. There is hope. Take hold of the hope. And this brings us uh, to chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read quite a bit this morning. I'll start in verse 1. It says, now the point in what we are saying is this. Now the point, he had just, he had just been talking about the high priest. He had just been talking about Melchizedek. He says, now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. That's, where, that's what happens with kings. Kings sit on thrones. So we have this high priest who's sitting on a throne. That's Jesus. And then verses 2 through 5, he starts talking about tents, and he starts talking about sacrifices. We're going to get into that in the next couple weeks, but let's skip down to verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better. So there's a word. Covenant, better. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But let me read this. This is where we're going to get written. This is where we're going to get wordy. Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on a better promise. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion. To look for a second, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers 
On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So there's the theme. You heard the word multiple times. Covenant. Covenant. It's like a churchy word. It's a unique word. We don't really talk about it much unless you might hear it at a wedding. But what is a covenant? Let's start there. And I want to start with this. We were made for fellowship with God. Genesis chapter 1. You guys know that. We were created. God created us for fellowship with him. Our most basic need in life is for a relationship. That's a fact. First with God and then with others. And we need to know that God has always desired a relationship with his most prized possession. That's what he desires. So relationships and promises and commitment, these all play out in covenants in the Bible. So you need to know this morning, relationships were God's idea. We've messed them up, and there are unhealthy ones. But man, those healthy ones that you're in, that you value, and they're good, that, that was God's idea. Promises, those are God's idea. Faithfulness, that's God's idea. And we see these play out in covenants. Now, just a quick review, fly over your Old Testament. There are four particular covenants in the Old Testament. He made one with a guy named Noah. You guys know him, right? There was a flood, and God comes along. He's like, here's the deal. I'm not going to do that ever again. Here's a rainbow to prove it. There's my mark. I'm not going to do that ever again. And guess what? There has not been a worldwide flood since. That's the first covenant you'll see in the Bible. Then he made one with a guy named Abraham. He just chose Abraham because he desired relationship with his most prized possession. And he said, here, Abraham, you, I'm going to bless you to bless the world. I'm going to give you a huge family. And I'm going to give you some land. The Abrahamic covenant. Then he made another covenant with Moses are with the nation of Israel. And he's like, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a law. You need to obey this law, and I will bless you. And you're going to represent me to the world. Just do what I say. Obey what I tell you. And then he made another one with King David, the Davidic covenant. And that's when he said, listen, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. A kingdom that will never go away will come from your line. Those are the four covenants that you can see throughout the Old Testament. But what are covenants? See, God would make covenants with humans. God initiated covenants. He would reveal his character to the humans. Then he would make a promise to the humans. And in turn, the humans would agree to make a commitment to God based off of the covenant he made with them. Okay? There's covenant 101 right there. Okay? God makes a promise, humans make commitment. Here's the problem, 100% of the time, all the humans failed their commitment. 
How did they do that? Well, they did that in many ways, and you can read about all this through your Old Testament. Mostly they would break their covenant by worshiping other gods besides, the, besides God who made the covenant with them. They would go worship false gods. You guys remember the golden calf, right? You've heard of a god named Baal maybe if you remember Sunday school class growing up. They didn't just worship other gods, though. They did, they did other kind of horrible things, right? They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. That's, that's kind of like way off the rails, you know? Just blatant disobedience, and they would break their commitment. So listen, that is the story of the Old Testament. God made covenant promises, and he never failed those. Humans made commitments to God, and they always failed those. So like, listen, before the golden calf, before sacrificing babies to demons, here is what the humans said. You ready? It's in Exodus chapter 24, verse 7. Then he, this is Moses, took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, here's what the people said, the humans, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. That was their commitment. That's what they said they would do. Here's the problem with humans. Here's the problem with me. Here's the problem with you. What we are, we only sometimes are. Now stay with me. If you went to talk to my wife, Jenny, and you'd be like, hey, is he a good husband? I would hope and I would think she'd be like, yeah, he's a good husband. Here's the problem. I'm not always a good husband. I'm only sometimes a good husband because that's the reality of the humans. What we are, we only sometimes are. Now, here's the good news. You ready? This is just a gospel statement. Are you ready? Okay. What God is, he always is. Let me repeat that. What God is, he always is. So in the Old Testament, God would make statements. He would say, I am, which is a statement in and of itself. We won't go into that right now, but maybe it was like, okay, I am with you. How often is God with us? Always. Because what God is, he always is. Does this make sense? I am with you. I am abounding in steadfast love. I am faithful. How often? Always. He is never not those things. And we are only sometimes those things. Exodus 34. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. How often does God do that? Always. That's really, really good news, isn't it? So in this passage that we just read, we read about this old covenant, and then we read about a better covenant in Hebrews. So, so what is the old covenant that they're talking about? And what, what about this new covenant? So first of all, the old covenant. In this Hebrews passage, the covenant that's being talked about is the one that he made with Moses. Remember there are four, but this one in particular in Hebrews is Moses. And what, what, what about this covenant? Is, is, is he talking about the old covenant? This is the Levitical system. We've talked about the priests, right? The tabernacle, the sacrificial system, the law. 
He's talking about the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus. He's like, do all these things that I have commanded you, is what he tells Moses. Build this tabernacle exactly how I tell you to build it. Have priests clean, clean themselves and perform sacrifices exactly the way that I told you to do it. Obey the law that I have commanded you, right? Ten commandments, tablet of stone, anybody? This is what Hebrews is talking about. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's old. That's an old covenant. There's a newer covenant. There's a better covenant. Now, before I go on, we must hear this, okay? Listen. You've got to spare me with the whole Old Testament thing is not for us anymore. That is not what I'm saying. The Old Testament and the law, they are not bad. Remember that. They are not bad. Listen, was Moses bad? Moses was awesome. Jesus was better. Were the prophets bad? Were the angels bad? No, they were awesome. Was the high priest bad? No, listen, awesome. It's just that Jesus is better. That's the theme of this book. Listen, the old covenant wasn't bad. It's just the new one's better. Romans even tells us, this because listen you you can't look at the old testament you can't look at the old covenant be like man did god mess up like did plan a not go well for god so he had to come up with a plan b absolutely not okay romans tells us as paul writes this in romans chapter 7 what then shall we say that the law is sin that this old way is sin by no means paul says yet if i had not been for the law i wouldn't i wouldn't have known sin that's how we know what sin is For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So listen, before we get into this new covenant thing, we need to understand something about the law and the old covenant. Because a lot of times we contrast law and, oh no, this new way was grace and the old way wasn't. Listen to me, the law was gracious. Thank goodness for the law that it showed us what sin is. That's very gracious of God who is what he always is. Are you with me? Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. So if you've been with us in this series, we always talk about their town and our town and we're building a bridge. We need to understand that the Hebrews in this time period would have understood this covenant like the back of their hand. It would have still been going on. Like all the things from the old covenant would have still been being practiced. There was still a temple. There were still sacrifices. They knew exactly what this writer of Hebrews was telling them. So what, what, what then about this new covenant? What makes this new covenant new? Or what makes it better? Well, we didn't read it, but if you go back to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, it says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And then if you, if you look in chapter 8, verse 6, but it says, but as it is Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. So quite simply, what makes this new covenant better? Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is, he's better. He's better. But listen, this is where things get a little wild, okay?
You've heard, you've heard it said that the gospel is scandalous, right? Have you guys heard that? The gospel is scandalous. I think the better word is the gospel is genius. It's like genius. So it's not that, okay, yes it is, that, but what about it? What about Jesus being better makes this new covenant better? And here it is, right? If you get nothing today, I want you to get this. The new covenant can't fail. The new covenant cannot fail. So go back to what I said covenants were. God made this, God would make this promise, right? And then the humans would make the commitment, and then the humans would break the commitment all the time. That's the story of your Old Testament. But here is where the gospel is genius. God knew this was going to be the case. So what does he do? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You want me to say that another way? God became human to fulfill the human side of the covenant. That is genius. And that's some of the greatest news that we'll ever hear in our lives. Did you catch, did you catch that? God became human to fulfill the human side of the covenant. God doesn't fail. How often does God not fail? Always. Because what he is, he always is. This is huge. The new covenant relies fully upon God. Here's what that means, because I don't think some of I don't think this is hitting home here. I'm seeing some of your faces. This ain't this isn't hitting home. That means it doesn't rely on you and me. That's really good news, Hill City Church, isn't it? The new covenant relies upon God fully. But here's the deal: it gets better. This thing just keeps getting better all the time. So you see this quote here in chapter 8. In a lot of your Bibles, it's indented, right, or it's italicized. This is a quote from Jeremiah, okay? Jeremiah chapter 31. Listen, this is, the long, this is a little trivia. You'll like this. This is the longest Old Testament quote in your New Testament, okay? Just a little tidbit of information. You're welcome. Next party you go to, okay? Some are like, we don't talk about that at the parties I go to. Change your parties, okay? But look at this quote. I want you to look at this, okay? For this is the covenant that I will make. This is the new covenant, right? I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all will know me. Now listen, two phrases there we got to see. First of all, when God says, my people, okay, that's a big thing for the current Hebrew Christians that were hearing this. Because remember, they're looking back at their old way of life, and they were going, wait a minute, are those God's people? Are we God's people? Are we no longer God's people? And listen, the Hebrew preacher is so genius because he's like, let me go to tell you what your prophets told you was going to happen. You will be God's people. That would have caught their attention, right? Oh, that would have put them maybe at ease. Yes, we are still God's people. And listen, if you're following Jesus here today, we are God's people. That's awesome. But then he says, and they will all know me. For they shall all know me. Now listen, what, are, what's, what, what is being said right there? you got to go back to Hebrews 1. you got to go back to the ways God used to speak to his people. It would be a priest. 
It would be a prophet. It would be a king. That's who knew God. Because this word know, it's not like a knowledge of. It's like, no, have this intimate relationship with. What, is our, what are we designed for? Relationship. With who? With God. In the Old Covenant, there were just a certain few who could have this intimate and close relationship with God. It was prophet. It was priest. It was kings. Remember Hebrews 1. And God says, there's a new covenant. That's not the way that it's going to work anymore. But I do, have to, I do have to pause for a minute because I don't want you to misunderstand this. When the Bible says all will know me, that doesn't mean everyone in this building knows God. Let me be very clear about that. Everyone in this building, you can know God. You can have an intimate and personal relationship with him. But just by being born and being in the world does not mean that you know God. The new covenant says, but all will know me. That's all my people. All those people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, they can personally experience God. We don't need priests anymore. We don't need prophets. We don't need kings. Because we are all those things. Amen? This is a room full of prophets and priests and kings. Do you understand this? This is what the new covenant did for us. How did that work? Well, Jesus, before he left, remember what he said? He's like, listen, I have to go. It's better that I go. Why? Because I'm going to send my spirit. And what's my spirit going to do? Where's he going to live? Are you catching this? It's, we get to know God because God put his spirit inside of us. That's a new covenant reality. That's huge. But he doesn't stop there. It keeps getting better. Verse 12 of chapter 8, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Some of you walked in this place, and you didn't even know that was possible. Wait a minute. The creator of the world, God, would remember my sins no more? Listen, I didn't write it. That's what God said. Some of you need to hear that today. Because here's what happened in the Old Covenant. And I'm going to look ahead. If you look at chapter 10, the Old Covenant actually reminded people of their sins. You catch this? You need to understand this. The Old Covenant just reminded people of their sins over and over. Chapter 10, verse 3. I'll read it really quickly. But in these sacrifices, which we're going to talk about sacrifices in two weeks, okay? So stay with me. In these sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Okay? Sorry, I, I, I got to the wrong. But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. That's the old covenant. Come in here, do your thing, and be reminded of how crappy you are. Come back and let me remind you again about how crappy you are. Okay, I know we have kids in here. Kids, if your parents don't let you say crappy, don't say it, okay? But isn't that, listen, some of you are like, wait a minute, that's where I went to church when I was growing up, huh? God says this, under this new covenant, it can't fail. And here's what happens. I will remember their sins no more. 
In other words, it's a matter of the conscience. I didn't say it. God said it. Hebrews chapter 9. We'll get here in ne- next week, but I want to jump ahead a little bit. Chapter 9, verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God? Here's human nature, okay? And I'm going to talk specifically to those people who maybe grew up in church. I'm going to talk to everybody. But here's human nature. You ready? I think this is true. I think oftentimes feeling bad makes us feel good. Okay, let me explain this. Well, if I, okay, this happens in our culture a lot. Well, I really feel bad about what's going on down at the border. And it's like, oh, you're an awesome person because you feel bad. You know what I mean? Because feeling bad makes us feel good. Well, I, feel real, I just feel really bad about all the injustices going on in our world. And it's like, oh, you're an incredible person because you feel bad. You see what I'm saying? Like feeling bad makes us feel good. The problem is this trickles into our relationship with Jesus. And we come to church, some people come to church, and they're like, whoever's preaching, pastor, whoever it is, like, hey, make me feel really guilty today. Really, just please make me feel really guilty. Because I already do. Just beat me over the head with whatever you have. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I grew up in this. Am I the only one? Listen, every Sunday, it's like, man, just, when you hear things like, like we would praise it, like, oh, pastor, you really stomped on my toes today. You've heard, you know what I'm talking about. It's like people come to church to just be beaten up. And people want to feel bad. They want to feel guilty. And then they self-punish. Right? Oh, you, you messed up. So no, listen, I'm, I, I deserve to be punished. I'm going to self-punish. And well, here's what you're doing. You're just putting an obstacle in front of you between you and the good news of Jesus Christ when you do that. Because that's old covenant mentality. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So imagine, I I had these old saws, right? You know those saws that, are you with me? Okay. Um, Imagine walking up to a job site and there's a guy getting out and ready to build your house and he grabs two saws out and just walks up. You'd be like, oh, man, I'm not going to live here for 30 years, okay? But then I had a power saw with it, right? You just hit a button. Were the, listen, the old saws, were they, were they awesome? Were there many buildings in our country built with the, incredible? But no one's using those anymore. They're obsolete, some of you walk in here Sunday in, Sunday out. And you have this old covenant mentality. I'm coming in here to feel guilty. I'm coming in here, listen, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a dreadful person. God, just beat me over the head. Remind me of my sins over and over. Just remind me, God, remind me. That's what I deserve. 
And the good news of Jesus is this, that God, through his son Jesus, our high priest and our king, he took care of the human side of the commitment. God took care of the human side of the commitment. So listen, we can have a clean conscience. Some of you are like, I haven't had a clean conscience for years. How? Listen, if that's you, let me end this morning by welcoming you to Hill City Church. And in this room are addicts, former addicts. In this room are former adulterers. In this room are former liars and cheaters and thieves. And in this room right now are people who are once very far from God. Now here's the scandal. Here's the genius. And all of us who follow Jesus, our consciences are clean. Even though that was true of us, our consciences are clean. And some of you are like, I want some of that. You're in the right place. Because the good news of Jesus is this. What he is, he always is. And he stood in our place and he took our punishment and we don't ever have to be punished again. Jesus was our sacrifice. Jesus is our priest. Jesus is our king. And he can't fail. And knowing this, I don't know about you, knowing this just gives me so much assurance. And it doesn't just give me assurance, it motivates me. Listen, what else do I have to do but to fall on my face and praise him and just give him my life? Are you kidding me? He did that? That's what he is? That's what he always is? Yes, praise him.